0: Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast.
1: Scott Ames opened the, the service today with a word that's been on my heart this morning. He said, we're coming together humbly as a family. That might have been, not been exactly what he said, but it was about being humble together. Today, we're taking, we've, we've taken communion, and to me, that is one of the biggest depictions of a family coming together in humility, saying, every single one of us, the only way that we're allowed to stand before the Son of Man is because of this blood and because of this body that was broken for us. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter what we've done. We all enter the same way. We all enter by the same blood. We all are filled by one spirit. We all have one Father in heaven above us. And this is the scripture that the Lord put on my heart this morning, from 1 Peter 5. He says, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because we have one blood that cleanses us, one spirit that fills us, one Father who overshadows us and loves us all with the exact same passion and exact same love. So I want to pray into that this morning. I feel this. This is like God saying, this is where I want you to go, church. Humility. So I'm going to pray. Father, we just thank you today, God. Lord, we receive this word, God, of humility. We desire, Father, to be a people marked with humility, God. Lord, children towards their parents, siblings towards one another, wives towards their husbands and husbands towards their wives, pastors and leaders towards the congregation and the congregation towards pastors and leaders. God, one to another, you said it doesn't matter, clothe yourselves with humility. Father, I'm asking for this grace for each one of us. Lord, you oppose the proud, but give grace to the humble. Father, we want to be a people marked by humility. We want to look like our King Jesus, who came as a servant to all. So we thank you today, Father, that we can gather together as one. That we have partaken of your body and blood today, God, acknowledging there is one way, there is one spirit, there is one Father. And you've commissioned us all, love one another as I have loved you. Humble yourselves, one to another. So we thank you today, Father. Let us walk in it. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Or, I want to I talk to you today here, this beautiful, amazing Christmas season as we worship our Savior, uh, about encountering the magnificence of Jesus. Encountering the magnificence of Jesus. Uh, and how this should be the, the goal of our lives. Amen? Like every day, how that should be the goal. That we would be. And work with me on this word here, but that we would be obsessed with encountering the magnificence of Jesus every day. The reason this should be our go is because he's worth it. Amen? And uh, his worth demands this kind of response. And so I'll, I'll, I'll explain this here as I get going on, but how many of you know today that he's the most unique being ever? That he's fully God and fully man. And that he longs to reveal himself to us in a way that touches our spirit. Not just our mind, not just our understanding, but to reveal himself to you as a son and a daughter in a way that, that goes beyond your mind and your thinking, that literally touches your spirit and it brings us alive, amen? And so uh, this, this revealing of, of, of encountering the magnificence of Jesus, not, he, he, he longs to do this and so not just to reveal you know, his forgiveness, um, his healing. Power, his provision, like all of these things, are a part of who he is, and they're all so important. But he wants us to encounter the awestruck wonder and fascination with who he is, and to draw us into that. So I stated what ago that 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 we should be obsessed with encountering the magnificence of Jesus. Not just learning about him but encountering that obsessed with it and so when we think of obsession a lot of times that that is a negative aspect in our lives because we become obsessed with things that we shouldn't become obsessed with or people or money or whatever that it is, and those become the focal point of our life. But I really think when we understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us, what he has for us, what he's drawing us into, this, this obsession to encounter him fits in place. That, that word obsessed means, it means someone or something that continually preoccupies or intrudes a person's mind. I believe we're supposed to be obsessed with, with with experiencing and encountering the magnificence of Jesus, that it should be continually the thing that is on our mind and that we're longing for. And, and, and we know in Psalm, in chapter 27 and verse 4, that David says, there's one thing that I've desired of the Lord. There's one thing David said that I seek that speaks of the obsession, something that's continually on his mind, and he says that, and it is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He's not talking about a building, he's talking about being in the presence of the Lord, and he says, and to behold the beauty of the Lord. So David understood this, he had such encounter with the Lord, with God, that, that, that every encounter drew him in to desire another encounter to see God more and more and more because he's so amazing to the point where where David's obsession above anything in this world was to see God. Come on. That it was to behold the beauty of the Lord. Can I just tell you today, he is the most indescribable man Filled with splendor, magnificent in his being, magnificent in who he is, and that he longs to share this with us. But I feel like this is what we've got to grasp as a church because he will only give it, this revelation of himself, progressively to those who hunger for it. You can come to the Lord and encounter him and experience him and never truly see him more for the rest of your life other than that point if you're not searching for him. Yeah, Amen? And then yet if from the moment that you come to the Lord and you experience him and hit you and you see him and then that just creates this in-depth greater more, and you keep then you'll never exhaust experience him. So there's no end to it. He'll continue to reveal his magnificence to you. Such amazing God. And he longs to be with us. People going after the encounter of his heart, not just not just what he can do or what he offers, but truly encountering the magnificence of Jesus. So I want to talk for just a moment. I want to show you here in uh, Philippians in chapter 3 um, how the pursuit and revelation of who He is changes us. Amen. I believe it, and I'll show you a little bit how it should be the foundation of everything, everything in our life. But but there's nothing, there's nothing that impacts our our emotions um, our, and, and circumstances uh, of say, uh, dryness or spiritual boredom or depression or guilt uh, or compromise more than when God reveals Himself to our spirit. It does something to us. When we see it, when we feel it, not just with our mind, but with our heart, it does something. It shifts, it shifts our emotional chemistry, and it changes how we feel when we encounter his magnificence. Look right here in Philippians in chapter 3, and I want us to look at Paul, just read these verses that, you know, we're familiar with, but they they show us this picture, they show us this the, the importance of, of, of encountering the magnificence of who Jesus is and continually longing for it, but here in in Philippians chapter 3, and we'll just jump in at verse 7, and Paul says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ, yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Verse 9, he says, and then to be found in him, to be found, to be found in Jesus, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him. Paul said, that I may know him and know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering and be conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the the resurrection. Come on, man, from the dead. Isn't that powerful? So Paul, like I just I just wanted to, to show you this just one example that Paul to me is a premier, premier example of this. Um, encountering the magnificence of Jesus and how it changes your life, and so his testimony of why he was so dedicated and why he gave uh, up everything so gladly. Paul said, "Listen, guys, I'm going to tell you right today. I count. I count everything a loss." Man, he encountered Jesus. I I count everything a loss. I gave up everything. I sacrificed many things because of my pursuit of this man Jesus. Because of the excellence of the knowledge of Him. Because of the magnificence of who He is. Come on, man. And so it's like Paul was saying, "I am awestruck about what I see in Him, and I count everything else a loss. And my whole life is lived out now to." see him more and no matter what i see in this world and no matter what i experience and how beautiful that it is nothing will ever 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 come close to every little glimpse of jesus that i get everything else is a loss isn't that amazing you think about your life you think about what you've experienced you think about the beauty of relationships, the beauty of marriage. You think about the beauty of having children and having grandchildren. You think about the beauty of being in Colorado or Wyoming or Montana and the big sky and the stars and the mountains and they're snow covered. It's absolutely amazing. It's beautiful. When I go to Redding and I visit Lori and man, it's, it's, it's summertime and everywhere that you look, they're, they're in the middle of three mountain ranges. So it don't matter. If you go into a restaurant... Or a store, and you come out, you're gonna be looking at one of the mountains. Absolutely. The the, the Sacramento River just running all through there. Everywhere that you go, you're crossing, and it's absolutely beautiful. It's amazing. I love it. It's like things like that that we get to experience, and they're good, and we look forward to them, and they they comfort us, and they encourage us. And Paul had those things. He saw those things. But in the midst of all of that, the greatest beauty in the world, the greatest experience that he had with, with material things or relationships, no matter what it is, Paul still says, at the end of the day, I count everything a loss compared to seeing Jesus. Like, man, Lord, draw us into that. Draw us, Lord, draw this house, draw our families into that gaze, oh Lord, that we would lock eyes with you in this way. So what I want us to see through this is that there's a direct correspondence between what we see in Jesus and how we respond to him by what we see in him and how we respond to him. So when you look at Paul's life, and you look at what he says right here in chapter 3, Paul was able to live the way he lived because of what he saw. And he saw what he saw because how he responded every time to what he seen. So every time that he saw Jesus, it changed more of him, and it opened up to see him more. It changed him, it opened up to see him more. Everything about Paul's life, again, and the way he was able able to live, all comes down to what he saw. He encountered the magnificence of Jesus because of his radical focus and pursuit to see him because of his response. He's indescribable he's indescribable 2 Corinthians in chapter 9 in verse 15 this this one little verse has been on my mind since thanksgiving as we're coming into the christmas season but it says thanks be to god for his indescribable gift Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. There is no one like him. He is is infinite love. He is is infinite wisdom and power and splendor. He is so absolutely dynamic. He's clothed in in majesty. And he will will fascinate us forever as we fix our gaze on him. Like for all eternity, he's going to fascinate us. But the beauty of of this story and the beauty of what I grasp in Paul and and, and David's heartbeat is that we don't don't wait to get to heaven. We don't wait for his return to experience his beauty because he wants wants you to encounter it now. And and for it to go beyond your, your head knowledge and your understanding and your church experience, like Jesus wants you to see him. Like, he wants you to be with him. He wants you to feel him. He wants to minister to you. He wants to fulfill your heart. He wants to be the breath in your lungs. Man, come on, guys. It's that pursuit that he wants you to have. And as you do, then then he's going to respond back to that, and you'll find those same encounters that the Apostle Paul had. So beautiful. In, In... I'm going to just quote a couple of scriptures here, and I encourage you to go back and read these and with the heartbeat of what the Lord's given us today. But in 1 Corinthians in chapter 2, in verse 10 and 12, Paul says that the Holy Spirit searches out the deep things of God's heart, and then he reveals them to us. I'm are thankful for that. Where's the revelation of who Jesus is going to come from? It's going to come from the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. So you, look, you begin to look at and lean on and ask and invite and walk with the Holy Spirit because this scripture says that the Holy Spirit are, is our guide. Um, I like to think, uh, uh, use the word like he's our escort. He escorts us in to encountering the magnificence of Jesus. And then in, in um, uh, John... In chapter 16, in verse 13 and 14, Jesus says, When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you in all truth. He will, Jesus says, the the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, He says, He will glorify me, for He will take of what is mine, and He's going to declare it to you. I'm here to tell you that, that we're called. We're called to search it out. We're called to keep looking. We're called to keep gazing. But as you gaze... We've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit that as is our guide and is our escort. And as we're looking through the leadership of the Holy Spirit, He's going to open up your spiritual lives to continue to encounter the magnificence of Jesus more and more and more and more and more. And such a powerful gift we've been given. The Holy Spirit longs to bring us in this lifelong search into the riches of Jesus. Jesus said this, here he says, "He will glorify me." The way the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus is by revealing Jesus' heart to us so that, we, so that we are awestruck of His magnificence. He'll make how many of you want the Holy Spirit to make Jesus the centerpiece of your life? That's really what this is about. I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for the body of Christ every day. What a blessing that we don't have to do this together. What a blessing of how we feed one another. and We're gifting and every part of the body has a, has a, has a place and all these things and all, the, all the, just the beautiful gifts that God gives us to experience in this life. But I'm going to tell you something. We're gonna, we're, we are off if Jesus isn't the centerpiece of our life. Come on. Jesus has to be the centerpiece of our life and that's what the Holy Spirit wants to wants to give us wants to do for us. Amen. What we see is determined by our pursuit and our response. So when you think about this for a second, uh I'm not going to turn to this and read it because if if I do I'll have to preach the whole the the whole thing on it. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture, but uh, but I encourage you to go back home and read, read Matthew in chapter 16 and verse 13 through 19 and ask the Holy Spirit to really reveal the depth of this passage to you. But I want you to see the heartbeat in this. It's really the first time that Jesus spoke about the church, and he gives, he gives the foundation of the church in, the, in these verses. But it's so important. What I what I want us to leave here today, and we're entering into this Christmas season, and the beauty of this story of the virgin birth and this baby born in the manger and the Lamb of God, Emmanuel God with us, and God fully, God becoming fully man on earth, and all of this beauty. And then I think in our lifetime, the most important question will ever have to answer is this. Who do you say I am? Every person. Who do you say that I am? In Matthew in chapter 16 and verse 13 to 19, Jesus begins to open this up to his disciples. He's got them there around him. He's wanting them to see the importance of them experiencing and, and encountering the magnificence of who he is and locking eyes on him. And so first he 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 kind of asks this a little different way. And he says, uh, and he says to his disciples, he says, Hey guys, who do men, who do men say that I am? The people that you're around, the people that you're talking to, who who are who are they saying that I am? And, and one of the disciples says, you know, John the Baptist, why, why do you think he said John the Baptist? Because John the Baptist was a, a bold preacher and Jesus was preaching with great boldness. Whatever you can go back and study that, but but that kind of it was focused a lot on what Jesus, not just who he was, but on what he did, what they seen out of him. And then someone said, Elijah. Well, Elijah was a prophet that that confronted the power of darkness, and Jesus was confronting the power of darkness. He was he was casting out demons and setting people free. So they said, Well, some say then that you're John the Baptist, and some say that you're Elijah. And then they and then one of them spoke up and said, Well, some say that that you're Jeremiah. Well, Jeremiah was the was the uh, was the weeping prophet, right? So what they saw in Jeremiah was compassion. What did they see in Jesus? They saw compassion as He loved people, as He reached out to them, as He sought their restoration. And so, so this was their answer to them. Some think uh, that and say that you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, and some say Jeremiah. And I could just see Jesus in the conversation of this, sitting around the table. This. this and I could see him saying, Yeah, in part I am all of those things. I do all of those things, but that's not that I'm not, I'm not John the Baptist, I'm not Elijah, I'm not Jeremiah. And then Jesus, then, he's like, okay, I got him right where I want him to be now. Because what really matters most isn't what anyone else says, but it's about what you see. So now Jesus looks these 12 disciples in the eye and he says, Okay, guys, now. Who do you say that I am? Like, he he says, the whole church is built on this one question. This one question. This is the foundational question for the whole church. He says, who do you say that I am? What what do you, who, who do you think I am? Who do you say that I am? Not only not only what I do, right? Not just healer, not just savior, but, but and, and I am those things, but who 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 am I? And Peter, Peter speaks up and, and he says, "You are Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, if you just read that just, just simply like that, It seems kind of, it's deep, it's real, it's right. But when you really, really dig into that and you really study out what, what, what Peter said here, his answer is just absolutely beautiful because he was saying, you are the son of the living God. You are the anointed one. Peter was stating, you are the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. You are fully God and you are fully man. He was saying, you are you are bridegroom you are king and you are judge he's saying jesus you are the one you are the great i am and jesus says to peter he looked at peter and he says peter blessed are you simon barjona for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my father who is in heaven come on somebody that is such a powerful statement in other words this was a supernatural revelation that, that Peter gained in an encounter, come on, through his pursuit of gazing at Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Amen. And Jesus says... Peter, it is on this rock, it is, it is on the truth of, 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 of who I am as fully God and fully man, and on the truth of the, mag, the, the magnificence and the, majest, the, the majesty of who I am, it's on that that I'll build my church. So guys, this is so important. Everything comes down to this. The word of God is like like it even tells us like every word every word in scripture has a place it's all valuable some for correcting, some for rebuking, some for training in righteousness. We go through our lifetime of sermons and classes, and it never gets old because the Word of God is living and it's active and it's beautiful. And you continue to teach your 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 your, 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 your children's ministry, or your youth, or your adults or the adults on the different dynamics of the whole Word of God and what obedience looks like and 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 and, and communion. And, and, and whatever, tithing and forgiveness and whatever. I just the full, the full message. But we need to understand. I believe one the, of the, the greatest truths of all scripture. Uh, matter of fact, the very Jesus just said the rock of everything the church is built on is removed from so much of the church today. So Jesus says there's one foundation that you're going to have that my church will be built on and if you will build your life and you'll build the church on this specific truth, right? Then the gates of hell will not prevail against you. In other words, he's saying you'll have you'll have spiritual authority, right? to be able to fight off demonic attacks. I'm going to give you victory. I'm going to give you authority. But that authority is going to come, and your life in me is not just going to be built on what I've done, not just the knowledge of knowing that I'm Savior, that, I'm, that I was the Lamb, that I'm good, that I'm love, that I'm joy, that I'm peace. I am all those things you need to, but it is going to be built on you encountering the magnificence of who I am, and you'll never exhaust it. You'll never get tired of worshiping him when you fix your gaze upon him. When he truly is the foundation of your life and what you seek. And you get that, you get that heart and that call. And, because what happened? You're going to come and you're going to get awestruck. We've all been awestruck at some point in time. I love new believers or people when they come in and, and their, their life is falling apart and they come to the Lord. It's like, man, there's just such fire in them and enthusiasm and they want to have church every night of the week. Because they're awestruck. Do you remember when you were awestruck? Do you remember when you were awestruck? struck? Do you remember where he, he, just, he was like everything that you did, man? He was on your mind. He was on your heart. You just, you just wanted to be with them all the time. You wanted to be in the word. You wanted to be in worship. You just couldn't wait to be around other believers. And, and there, there's that awe struck in there. And Jesus is saying that the foundation of your life, the foundation of your church, the church, his church, is built on the revelation of experiencing and encountering and seeing the fullness of who he is. Layer after layer after layer after layer. Isn't that powerful? I love I love this. I love this. Uh, passage of scripture here in in, in Matthew, it's just so absolutely beautiful and life changing if we we grab it but like I said, man this is what it's built on the truth of who I am as fully God and fully man, the truth of the magnificence, of the majesty all these things it's built on an ongoing encounter with Jesus who has the unique ability to fascinate us forever and ever isn't that amazing? to be the one that we are obsessed with by the grace of God. I think the heartbeat of what I want to give to you today is that what we see and what we think about Him is the most important thing about us. What we see and what we think about Him is the most important part about each and every one of us individually. We have to encounter Him. We have to encounter him, the splendor of of who he is. Habakkuk, in chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, of the Lord, As the waters cover the sea, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Come on. Thank you, God. Now, I want you to turn to Proverbs and and just stay, stay with me here for a moment. This is so rich, what God gives us here in his word. Proverbs chapter 2. And you go, okay. I love it because he never calls us to do something, pursue him, follow him, uh, walk in obedience <clears throat> without telling us how to get there, without giving us the instructions on what that looks like. So I want to I show you here in Proverbs. I love Proverbs. I encourage you to make it a part of your regular reading. You can read one chapter a day throughout the month and then just keep doing it. There's just such wisdom and revelation. It's just so beauty, beautiful. But Proverbs in chapter 2. And uh, these verses right here uh, speak to us on, on how, we, how we encounter the magnificence of Jesus how we do it, how we live it out, like application that we can take here today. And say, okay, I'm going to begin to live my life out this way. All right? <clears throat> so this is so good. So let's just read it real quick. Proverbs chapter 2, uh, 1 through 5. Then I want to come down and just kind of break this down a little bit. But Proverbs 2, 1. My son, if you receive my words... And treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek for her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord, watch this, and find the knowledge of God. Let's just, let's, we'll, we'll hold up right there. There's a couple of things to make note of. <clears throat> one is, there's, there's what, three ifs and then one then. So you got to kind of grab a hold of that. We all, we all understand that, but it meaning that there's a condition to the degree that we'll encounter him. So there's there there's the then, which is the promise, but before there's the promise, the fulfillment of it, there's the is. So so the word of God saying, live this way, walk this out. Here's what the pursuit looks like. And then when you're when you're fulfilling this and doing this, then this is what's going to happen, right? So that's this is the context, this is the framework of where we're at. He's given it to us so richly. But I want to break a little bit of, the, of this down and make it really practical for us today as we as we leave here today and begin to walk this out in just greater depths. But the first thing that it says, he says, if you receive my words. So if you receive my words. So so I'll hear something like that, and I'll be like, okay, what's what's that look like in Scott's life every day? What's that mean? How can I apply that? Um, If you receive my words. So here's my answer to that. Don't refuse them. Like receive the, receive the words that are easy and receive the words that are hard. Receive the words that give life and receive the words that cause that have to cause us to crucify some flesh but he says receive my words don't refuse them don't ignore them but receive them so that means that that means obedience to the word it mean he's talking about being not only a hearer but a doer of the word if you want to encounter more of the magnificence of Jesus the word of god says receive my words live in obedience obedience is 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 essential to this amen so god help us bring us into obedience and, and to fully receive all of your word. So the first one is if you receive my word. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, if you treasure my commands within you. If you treasure my commands, it means if you treasure his word. So what does it mean to treasure his word? It means that we put a high value on it. Right? How I many you know we need a high value? In this house for the word of God. A high value in each one of us individually as sons and daughters. Because the word came and dwelt among us and made himself flesh. When, I, when, I, when I'm reading the scripture, I'm looking for the man in the Bible. I'm not, don't, don't read it like it's a grocery list or something to get through. Or just something historical that you're learning. But it's like you see Jesus in the scripture. So he says, if you receive my words, if you you do them, if you take them, if you walk in obedience, and if you treasure my commands, if you treasure my word, if you place high value on it, um, if you meditate on it, um, keep it in front of you. And then, he, and then he says this one, he says, and then if you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Now I want to draw attention to that, that's real important. He talks about our ear, which is, which is what's going to go through our mind, so he talks about our mind, but then he also talks about the heart. A lot of times we're hearing but we're not applying it to our heart. We hear the word, we get knowledge, we get some understanding from it, and then we apply our own life experiences to it and then we come to some kind of understanding on how we think what we think about that thing. But the true life what brings life into your spirit is when you when you allow it to penetrate your heart. It's like in in any given time in a church service or a conference or anytime ministry is being released there's there, there's there, there's always just a, a multiple people from different places and what's going on and, and you'll have people that that'll maybe come in and and uh, and, and 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 they'll receive ministry from someone whoever's is preaching or teaching or whatever that it is and man they'll just be like wow that's awesome and 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 you can see it on them and they're so excited and they're testifying about how, how life-altering, how they, they just encountered the magnificence of Jesus right through that word. And then you'll have other people that, that like needed toothpicks to hold their eyes up the whole time. So the difference is, is that we're not only just turning our ear to hear, but that we're applying our heart because the word comes alive through your heart. You encounter Jesus through your heart. Amen? So, I mean, he just lays it up, and I'm going to show you. You're going to see me. You're going to experience me. Precept upon precept, glory from glory to glory. If you receive my word, and if you treasure my command within you, and if you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. In other words, this this third point that he made is if you have and maintain a teachable spirit. Until we get to heaven that we maintain a teachable spirit. That there's always more to see. That there's always more of him for us to to encounter. His word is so valuable to you that your ears are open to hear and your heart is open to receive. You, You approach it. You approach the word You approach it like a student to learn and understand what he's saying to you, to truly encounter Jesus every time the word is being opened up. And then the fourth one, he says... If you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, and this is real, this is a real important thing to learn and to grow in discipline to apply in your seeking out of the Lord. In your prayer time, in your time studying the word, when you're just driving down the road and the Holy Spirit's ministering to you and you're just starting to see and encounter the Lord in that moment, but, but this, this step here, uh, receive my words, don't ignore them, Um, treasure my commands within you, place a high value on the word of God, incline not only your ear to hear, but apply your heart to understand and receive. And then he says, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. In other words, it's desire. If you have desire, if you live with desire, if you live with desperation, and then in prayer, crying out, Lord, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Right? Like there's a burning fire in us, and 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 that that the word of God is, is is we understand that it's revealing the man Jesus, and we'll never exhaust seeing him. So we wake up in the mornings, and it's devotion time, and we get in the word, and it's all like oh man, I'm, I got to do chapter two and three, and we're just kind of reading through. We know it's good, we know it's important, we know that 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 it, 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 you know we're honoring God and. Blah, blah, blah. But a lot of times, if you were to be honest and be real, it's boring. You feel bored. And you walk away not understanding anything that you just read. Can we be honest? Am I the only one? And I study for sermons. I have those moments when I'm in particular areas And then we're trying to teach our children that the Word of God isn't just a history book, but that it is living and it's active and that it's powerful. And we want them excited to be in it. We want them to see and understand things, right? But, but we've also got to teach them biblically how to get in the word and how to see Jesus in the word. And I love this one because this particular point right here says, guys, like cry out for discernment and understanding. It's like you get that book and you get in your room and you get in your living room and you lay it out and then you just lay, you incline your ear and then you engage your heart and you cry out for discernment saying, Jesus, I don't want to leave this moment without Seeing you face to face. I want to encounter you through this scripture. I'm in the book of Judges. But it's living. It's God breathed. It's powerful. Jesus, help me see you. Help me see you in this, man. And he's telling us, he's giving us this pathway. And, 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 and if we would truly grab it, it would, it, would, it would excite you. It'll empower you. It'll change you. And then your children will see you, you know, and studying the word of God and encountering Jesus. It won't be grudgingly. It won't be bo- like, you'll be like, hey, guys, get in here. Come in here. I got to show you something. Like, you're so excited. Like, bam, revelation, something. Just like what happened to Peter. Peter, you, did, you didn't get this through a Bible study class. Like the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's really cute. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen, sister? But he's like, ah, oh, those things were important because they laid the seed and he heard him, and he gained knowledge. But Peter, Peter, Peter experienced the magnificence of Jesus in pursuit of Jesus. And it was a crying out and a longing to say, man, everything that happens in my day today, I consider a loss compared to encountering Jesus. He's going to be the best thing that happens to me today. And when I wake up tomorrow, he's going to be the best thing. Can I teach you and can I help you to begin to cry out? Let the word of God, you young parents, I feel like Lori did a way better job than I did with my kids. I was busy, I was running, loved, and we taught, and we lived by example, but she, she was the consistent one in our house that said we're going to do devotions, right? There's not a greater gift you'll give your children probably not be a greater thing that you'll experience as a family than, than coming around the word of God over something and crying out for discernment and asking, asking, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus, to reveal his glory in that moment to you and your kids. And then you let that word come alive inside of you. Come on, man it's vibrant it's alive it's a life changing and husbands and wives doing it together there's there's not there's not anything in this world that you 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 couples will ever ever do that'll have greater value in your marriage than seeking Jesus together i'm telling you is it awkward it can be it's awkward to most men because most of, most of us men don't feel like we're at the spiritual level that our wives are. I'm just being a little raw. And we think, well, i, I got to understand all this stuff before I share it to someone. No, man, you just, who reveals Jesus? Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us. We just get in the scripture, we just start doing it together. Like, man, what's this saying? I don't know. But you know what? I'm going to receive it and I'm going to value it. I'm going to place, I'm going to place high value on this word that we're reading this morning. We're not just going to go through this and get done with it. Then go we're going, to, we're going to put a high value on it. And then you stop together and you grab hands as husband and wife or as a family and you cry out for discernment. I don't think if you ever cry out for discernment, he's going to leave you hanging without revealing things to you. So he's saying, here's how we go. Here's how we get there and we begin to do this. And we're going to begin to experience the magnificence of this beautiful, powerful man. But cry out for it when you're reading, when you're searching out the word. You're crying out to the Lord and asking for understanding. And then the, 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 the last if that I'll give to you is, <clears throat> he says, if you seek for it as silver and if you search for it as you would hidden treasure. So what's that look like? Like, what's that look like? If you seek for it like silver, and you search for it as you would hidden treasure. So in other words, guys, it's not just going to come. It's not just going to come. You're not just going to experience more and more of him every year in, in your life. Just, it's just not going to happen on itself. It happens in our pursuit. So Jesus says, this is how we're gonna get there, man. Here's the word of God. And he says, if you seek for it like silver and you search for it as you would hidden treasure, so you search it out, you're diligent. You, you, would, you would pay any price, right? Like you would pay any price to find it and be willing to put some time into it. Like I hear this, like I, I'm searching for this is silver and like gold, and I'm gonna, I got five minutes. How I mean, you know sometimes it's days and sometimes it's weeks and sometimes it's even years that you got to dig and dig and dig and dig and break through soil and break through soil and little by little you'll get you'll get glimpses maybe and, and pieces that kind of stir you back up and encourage you but this the scripture's saying man we've got to be diligent we've got to be willing to pay the price and not give up until you find it it's it's all about pursuit man that's what this is speaking to us about it's about having an un unquenchable hunger. It's saying that encountering the magnificence of Jesus is worth more than any amount of worldly treasure. I think about, okay, if I were to say, congregation, Lori and I, we don't play the lottery. Let's see. We just happen to stumble across A million dollars in gold bars (laughs) and we we brought that to the church and we spread it out amongst amongst the building it's here somewhere but it's not gonna be in plain sight you're gonna have to search it out and I told you that it was here and I told you that if you found one whatever you found you could have it was yours no no question about it it was yours you know what we would do? Come on. We would tear the building apart. We wouldn't even stop. We would go after it. It would be exciting. You would hear people laughing, maybe some fighting because they're in my spot. This is my, this is my ground. You're filling in my hoe. Come on, whatever. But we would go after it. We would go after it because we understand the value in it. We understand the value in finding that gold and what it would have to offer us. Some of us would, if we didn't find it, you know, in an hour or two, we would keep searching. And if we didn't find it and evening came and you knew it was still here, you know you're not going home. And you're going to search all night and you still maybe somebody found a little bit, but there's still a whole lot left. And you, you, you know you could get a million dollars at any moment. You just got to keep serving. A lot of y'all are calling off work tomorrow. <laughs> Seriously. Like we would miss things because we saw the value and the opportunity to obtain it. Yes. But a lot of times, especially I feel like in the, in the Western church, we, we just expect the gold to come to us. If I just show up at church, if I just show up at the Bible study, if I just keep doing the little thing, it's just going to come to me. The goal—it's just going to—it's just going to bam be there. And I feel like that's where a lot of a lot of Christianity is. Relevant. One one of the things—I I, maybe I'm saying too much here—but one of the things that I that I can respect out out of a lot of um, (sighs) some of the other religions that serve false gods, and they're serving false gods, is their absolute radical pursuit of that false god. Does that stand out to you? But it's like truly in Christianity, a lot of times we just know that God is love. And he is, isn't it awesome? We just know that he is good. That's awesome. We know that he is Savior, greatest gift we could ever receive. We know that he's healer, and we are so thankful for that. And I could go on and on to these little things, and then that's just kind of where we live at. And then our obsession becomes more of, of church, or other things and all of that's good but the only thing that's truly going to change our life is the obsession of jesus what if the church stepped up into a radical pursuit and a radical obedience of pursuing him like some of these uh, false religions do their false gods think about how radically it would change Think about think about hunger rising up in our homes, in our families, in our in our in our in our in our husbands and wives, and in our teenagers, our young people, where they do, we just begin to encounter Jesus, encounter Jesus, encounter Jesus, and there's just that rising just begins to stir within us, man, where we begin to cry out like David, man. I know I'm thankful for all that's happening, but there's one thing, one thing, one thing. I know I got to go to work. I know I got to pick up my leaves. I know I got to do laundry. But I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna I'm gonna do do those things. I'm going to do them unto the Lord. I'm going to honor him in it. But there's one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing that I desire. It is to encounter Jesus. I want to see him more. I want to see him more. I've served him for a long time. Man, I just feel like I just get glimpses. And I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. So you read through this You read what Paul said. You see how he he was able to live the way that he lived because he was encountering and pursuing the magnificence of Jesus. And then here in Psalm uh, 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 chapter two, listen. If you receive my words, if you treasure my commands within you, if you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, and if you seek for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure. Come on. Then, everybody say then. Then is conditioned on the ifs. When we're dry, we feel like we're in a desert, when we become spiritually bored. And listen, we, we have all become spiritually bored at some point in time. If not, we're there now. Because we go through seasons and stuff. And then sometimes life, life gets in the way that we didn't ask for, and it can consume us, and all these things begin to happen. And we're faithful, we're faithful, we're faithful, right? But, I'm just, but when we come down to it, like, man, like, where's this at? Because it, he says, then, do these things. These things is what will bring you back into that place, man, where the water's flowing. He says, then, here's the promise, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. In other words, you will progressively have more and more knowledge of God, and encounter the magnificence of Jesus, that'll change your life. That'll change your life. Amen. Praise God. How many are thankful for his grace? How many are thankful for his mercy? How many are thankful for his patience? (laughs) How many are thankful that he doesn't give up on us? In our lack of pursuit of him sometimes. When other things become obsessions in our lives over him. Most of the time we didn't mean for that to happen. It's just life happens. And sometimes we just, it's because we begin to live in compromise. There's so many different directions that take us there. But I'm so grateful for a sermon like what he's given us today. And the hope that no matter what I was doing or not doing yesterday, that today I can step into this and begin to walk it out. And the then is going to happen. Isn't that awesome? See, what what I love about the Lord so much is he, he, He never reveals things to us. He never reveals things to us to hold us back. He reveals things to us to push us forward. So he's not revealing your lack or our lack today in any way. He's revealing how much further we could go. Come on. I don't know about you, but I want to go all the way. I want to experience every, every bit of him as my Lord. I'm going to un- close and in just a moment. I'll have Craig and the guys come in. People come in. Uh, so this is the verse that I landed on. Everybody doing okay? You guys doing okay? Amen. Uh, so here's the, here's the verse that I landed on, <clears throat> and it's it's Proverbs in chapter 25. We were into, and I'll just, I'll quote it to you, but write it down. But it's Proverbs chapter 25 and it's verse two. And this this is what this is what it says. It says, "It is the glory of God to conceal a matter." I mean, now I'm not going to. That, that's a whole sermon right there that maybe I can come back and preach on. Um, but I, my encouragement is, ask the Holy Spirit. Remember, cry out for discernment, okay? To, to show you in depth some of what that means. But, but I, want, I want to make another point in our time today. But it says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. But, it, but the glory of kings is to search out the matter, You know in Scripture, you're, as believers, that you're identified as sons and daughters? You also know that that you're identified as kings and queens? That you're a royal priesthood? So you have kingship? Proverbs 25, 2, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. But the glory of kings is to search out the matter. To search it out. To search it out. To search it out listen grab this there is a there is a kingly spirit about searching him out there's a kingly spirit about searching him out it's like he's saying if i'm valuable like if i'm if i'm truly valuable like if you want to if you want to encounter more of me then come after me search me out search me out with the kingly spirit and i'll reveal myself to you live with this obsession of encountering the magnificence of Jesus. We could we could sit here until he comes back or we go to him one by one. We could just take turns stating things about him and who he is and we would never exhaust it the magnificence of Jesus we wouldn't this is Wednesday last Wednesday uh, chapel for this school I just—I absolutely adored doing chapel these amazing students but I I just read Isaiah is it Isaiah nine six uh, where 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 it says uh, uh, he uh, Isaiah prophesying speaking of Jesus coming it says that says he's wonderful and he's counselor and he's mighty God he's everlasting he's Prince of Peace right I think it's I think it's nine six Isaiah nine six. And so I was doing that with them. And then again, I've already told you, but uh, the, the other scripture uh, in first, I think, second Corinthians where uh, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So those two things have been on my mind. And so so Wednesday in chapel, I just asked the kids the, the, what I've asked you guys a little bit to have said, who is Jesus? Like, who is he? We got some of the most amazing answers out of these kindergartners up to high school students, but here was my challenge to them: is that you'll never stop seeing new things about Him. So my challenge to them was, with this being the Christmas season and it's all about Jesus, I said, I said, get a get a notepad or get a journal, and uh, every day spend a little bit of time in prayer, in the Word, and ask ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And ask Jesus to show him things to you about himself. And my challenge was every day from past Wednesday until Christmas Day was they write down three new things. Three things that they see and and what Jesus has shown them about himself. To teach them and get them to truly dig in and do what Proverbs chapter 2 is saying and experience, and encounter, come on, the magnificence of this king that we're celebrating. Amen? He wants to reveal his heart to you. It's the heart of a king to search out the matter. Let's be kings, and let's search him out. Amen? So I'll have you stand with me and appreciate you today and I appreciate God's word uh, man I read this and I've been studying this all week and I'm just saying man I don't know about you but I want to be filled with passion don't you want to be filled with passion and filled with desire and filled with hunger and crying out I want to see him I want to be able to echo David I truly do I want to be able to echo David and say, man, there's just my, 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 number one great desire is to encounter Jesus, to encounter his word. Lord, let your word come alive in us. Help me, God, to grab a hold of your word. Help me to begin, help me to treasure your word, God, where I've not been treasuring your word, where I've gotten spiritually bored or complacent or whatever, God, Lord, create a fire in me to, to, to pursue it like silver and gold, God, amen. Amen. So let's pray into that. I'm gonna have Craig take a minute here and just lead us in worship, and I'll just pray over all of you. If you feel the need to come and spend some time at the altar and just ask God to posture your heart in this way, then you come. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you want to accept Jesus into your life, man, just come come down here. If you if if you know the Lord and you have a you have a specific need in your house uh, in your life. Uh, mentally emotionally physically you need healing then i just encourage you to kind of come and stand down here on the sides and some of the leaders will come alongside and pray in agreement with you but we just open this author up right now to get this pursuit in our hearts amen thank you jesus you for joining us this week until next time